welcome to the Flip Flops podcast. Today I chat with healer and joyful full-time mother, Juana. I have only met Juana twice in real life, but her words sat with me for years. If we were living in ancient times, we would reach out to the wisest of our tribe. And for me, it would be Juana, who could be called a medicine woman. She is a healer, a sacred space holder, and a registered massage therapist. But most of all, she is a person whose truth pierces through typical conversation and gives you shivers. Enjoy our chat. Hi. I'm so thrilled. Thank you so much for being my first guinea pig. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) I've wanted to talk to you for a long time just because you're just like a spiritual shaman. So I feel like (laughs) the tribe is in pain and we have to reach out. Oh, God, we are. To the wise one, hopefully provide some solace to people and talk about it. You gave me goosebumps just now, you know, when you said that the tribe is in pain because the tribe is in pain and in a lot of pain. And I think it's so important to acknowledge that there's a lot of avoidance and a lot of shoulds. I shouldn't be feeling this way or I don't want to be feeling this way. And it's it's very good that you named it. I remember at the beginning of quarantine, I felt like all those old tricks I had to make myself feel better and distract myself, I don't have anymore. And so now we're left to ourselves ourselves and that can be painful yeah and i and you know you said it again distracting that's kind of for me the greatest gift of this pandemic is that the distractions are gone and because they're gone first of all people are realizing how much of the way they spend their time is used as a distraction and is used to fill time just just to fill the time so that you don't have to be quiet so that you don't have to feel the feelings that you have and that you've had your your whole life and that people have structured their whole lives around avoiding. What are the ways that you now fill your time that bring you peace and solace? I don't really have peace and solace a lot of the time. It's kind of interesting because when you speak to people that are either doing healing work on themselves or doing healing work on others or artists and actually anybody, peace is a hard thing to find. What I do have a lot of the time is gratitude. That can happen whether you're at peace or not at peace, whether you are struggling or whether things are going well. And I fill my time trying to find reasons to be grateful within the turmoil and within the uncertainty and within the fear and within the oh my gosh so many feelings like swirling and spiraling right because we're humans and we're so complex and we have so many emotions and the things that I do are to help myself navigate is I do therapy I'm a very very large cheerleader for for therapy and I do a lot of reading. I do Wim Hof, I gotta say. What is that? So Wim Hof is cold exposure. So he's this extraordinary human. Yeah. So I'm literally outside my house at 5.30 in the morning in my birthday suit with my feet in the snow and breathing my butt off. It's pretty extraordinary. How does it change how you feel apart from being very cold? Well, it's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a really good question because you don't have time 
to be in your mind. You go back to your primal instincts when you're in the cold. When you're out there with the breathing, you're fully, fully focused on not survival in, in our case, because we're like in our backyards, you know, but you're, you're focused on your body, you're cold. And so when you're doing the breathing, you are accessing parts of your very, very old brain that are keeping you warm and working to keep you warm so that you don't freeze. And when you're doing that, it's a whole other level of consciousness and you're not in your brain and whatever feelings come up, they just are like, you're not there to judge them because you're too busy focusing on the sensation of your environment which we are never, ever exposed to anymore because we are always with clothes on. We are always in our homes or in our cars or in offices or in shopping malls or in hotels or whatever. You name it, we, are, we spend the majority of our lifetimes indoors and insulated. To go back to exposing ourselves to nature and particularly to cold, it's a very powerful tool to get to truth. So... I do that and I breathe. I breathe a lot. The breath has, has really come up for me. Oddly enough, because it's COVID, among its many, many presentations, the, the lung thing and the, the breath mm. is what it takes from you. It's very interesting. Excuse me while yes. I take a very deep breath <laughs> and appreciate that I can. Yes. Yes, right? And so it's so fascinating how Wim Hof, again, he is, he's been around and doing this for about 40 years now. But during this pandemic... His message and method have skyrocketed throughout the world. And it's very beautiful to see because on one end, the world is experiencing a virus that takes your breath on so many levels. And on the other side, there are people, a whole community out there who are working to get that breath back. Mm. And it's, it's power. It's absolute power. I would, I would really suggest taking a look at that. For those of us who live in neighborhoods. Yes. And wouldn't necessarily want to parade around naked in their backyard. <laughs> yes. What would the solution There's be? There's a solution. So his whole, his method is around cold showers. And uh, that's what you do. You start slowly with a breath and you take, you know, you start with what you can do 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. It's a very slow and gradual buildup. And it literally retrains your immune system. It's all based in science. I've definitely heard about him. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know of anyone that was actually doing it in their backyard. So <laughs> yeah, here's one. <laughs> here's I love one. this. Yeah. What is your current situation? Are you are at home with your daughter? Yes, I'm home with my kids and I'm, okay. I'm raising my babies and my husband is working from home. Thank God. I am not working right now. I, okay. I cannot work right now. I, uh, I understand. It's... It's I have such admiration for people without taking anything away from myself who are out there working and, and raising children and having a lot on their plate. It's, it's really, uh, I feel extremely, extremely grateful and fortunate that I'm able to be in the situation that I am. And I'm very aware that many people don't have that luxury. So hats off. How do you keep them entertained? I don't keep them entertained. I, I honestly, I'm a very big proponent of managing myself and my own fear around not providing enough for them in that way, because children need to be left alone. They need to be bored. They need to come up with creative ways to entertain themselves, right? Because that's the first step in learning to sit with yourself and learning not to distract yourself from your life and from your internal experience and your feelings, right? So we live in a world where people are constantly trying to do everything they can to entertain their children. 
And that doesn't leave their children with any time to develop their inner world and their tolerance for uncomfortable sensations and emotions. And it doesn't give them the opportunity to come up with creative ways out of them. So I don't entertain them. What I do is I talk to myself. Okay, Wana, you're hearing them. They're screaming. They're like having arguments. One grabs the toy, mama, mama, mama. And I just have to sit and have the internal dialogue with myself that sounds like you don't have to do anything right now. There's nothing you need to do for them. You just need to know that it's okay to just let them be. And you will not damage them and they will not go crazy from boredom. And, and you know what's amazing? The most amazing thing is that if you let them be, because children are the greatest miracle of all, if you let them be, they adapt so quickly. And if you're just able to get through that internal anxiety of yours that you're not doing enough for them, that you have to do something for them, magic happens after that. Amazing. You had posted one day on a day that I really needed to hear it, that there are monks meditating right now. Yes. And I remember that was like medicine yes. for me that day, because I believe this was before the election results had yes. been completed and the world felt just a little bit scarier than it does now. And that was really, really refreshing to hear. So I wanted to know if you could talk about how you see us elevating optimism through spiritual practice, how we can do it alone and tap into what's going on in temples around the world. So I remember that post vividly. I go back to it often. And I think the key is that it's interesting that you said alone, but when monks are meditating, they are rarely alone unless they go into solitude or unless they have like a special type of practice that they're doing. So I'll touch on both points alone. Have you heard the term toxic positivity? I have found that I cannot just force myself to be positive. Right. So I, I do agree that it can put pressure on a situation where sometimes you just have to feel, as you said, the feelings. Okay. So, so to bring that back to optimism, if you're already feeling optimistic or positive or, or whatever word you want to use there, then you have no problem, right? So if you're not, then I would say that optimism is not your goal, but your goal is to just take the next step. Give yourself the empathy that you may not feel. Give yourself the encouragement to just take the next step to get yourself out into the world whether it's taking a walk or whether it's making a phone call or whether it's anything that's going to connect you either to nature or to another person, because it's in that connection to nature and to other people that we elevate ourselves naturally, that we elevate that optimism naturally. You know, you have to hear a voice of another human or you have to hear a bird or you have to not just see it on a screen or hear it passively. Yeah. So I think the way that we elevate ourselves collectively is by telling our truth and telling our truth to each other, telling our truth on social media. I mean, I was so moved by your post. Here is a stuck person. It was just so moving. People want, more importantly, people can recognize humanity. They can recognize the humanity in a person and they can recognize that it is also within themselves. They connect to it. And if we're going to elevate each other, I think we have to start with sharing authentic versions of ourselves to the best of our ability, like you said, without invading privacy or 
revealing too much on social media because it is the internet, but we need to see more reality out there. You know, when you ask somebody how they're feeling, it would be nice to get an answer about how they're feeling. And I, I know for myself that every time somebody actually answers me in a meaningful way, I'm always so grateful for it. And I'm, I'm surprised and I'm like kind of honored to receive that information. So collective elevation starts with showing our hearts and having empathy toward one another and understanding that life is not black and white and people are people and monks praying for us and us praying for each other, whether your prayer is to a religious God or whether your prayer is to nature or whether your prayer is to yourself, the point of prayer is the vibration, right? And I, I say this to people very often, we have language and we understand each other because we've all agreed collectively, depending on where you are in the world, that this word means this and that word means that. And we say, okay, and that's our language. But really, language is just vibration. And if you touch your throat while you're speaking, you will feel the vibration in your fingertips. You will feel the sound. And our vibrations need to be more in line with who we really are versus what we would like to present to the world in a cleaned up, less messy version which doesn't elevate anybody. I feel like that's one of the positive things of this whole thing is there is a veneer that has been removed and a rock that's Absolutely. been lifted. There's no makeup. There's no doing the hair. These are just little examples yes. of a veneer yes, that's been sure. lifted. Not to say that getting dressed up is, is a bad thing For or sure. that it's shallow. I mean, there are times that it feels good. But one thing I like is I no longer really feel a pressure to be anything other than who I really am but, underneath it all. And to me, that's what's that's interesting right now exquisite. to me. It, it really is. Uh, like I told you in our text yesterday, I took January off on social media. I didn't mm -hmm. go on at all. And I said, if I'm going to come back, I only want to come back with good vibes, gratitude, and honesty. That's amazing. I have goosebumps. So when I posted the other day about essentially saying, I am struggling, so many people wanted yes. to help. And I found it so wonderful because it was yes. life affirming. And, you know, not only has this forced people to come up with these answers and start mm -hmm. meditating and walking more, I think there is something that can come out of this collectively. Oh my gosh, the, the potential is enormous. The gifts that we as a species can receive from this pandemic, from this virus, from the narrative around it, from all of it is unimaginable if we allow ourselves to receive it. But that's, that's the key here because receiving means that you have to feel worthy. You have to feel worthy of receiving. And collectively, our worth is, well, we need therapy. <laughs> need therapy so so interesting that you say that that is so yeah. beautiful I'll definitely be thinking about that after yeah after our chat that we have to believe uh, we to are receive to absolutely. receive it absolutely because if you do not feel worthy you will block any and all efforts subconsciously to receive the gifts that are your birthright and that's that's the that's the wound that's the the, the lineage and so collectively, that's, that's the work that we have to do. We have to look at it and we have to be honest about what we see in ourselves. And we have to be honest about where, our, where we're getting triggered and what triggers us. And it requires enormous energetic investment. And the people that can invest that are very fortunate 
in my year, I've had some health challenges that were and still are extremely difficult on some days. And there are days where it's hard for me. And on those days, I write every day. But on those days, I write to myself that regardless of how I'm feeling right now, I know that this feeling that I'm in because I'm human and I wallow and I have moments where it becomes too difficult and I remind myself that even if I'm not feeling that this will pass and even if I'm not feeling that there's a way out right now, my life experience has shown me that there always, always is and that it will end and life will be good again and the situation will be good again and it really guides me through and it guides me through to a place where I can look at the unimaginable gifts that my illness has given me this year because I got to a place where I healed something that I did not ever in my lifetime think that I would be able to heal and it was through being able to experience what someone in my family had experienced when I was little and for the first time in my life I was able to have compassion where I was never ever able to have compassion before and in a split second it healed 43 years of lineage. And so, yes, wow. and so there's gratitude to be found and there is peace to be found and there is beauty to receive anywhere. You just have to look for it, right? And you have to surround yourself with people who will help you to do that. That's the most important thing because we're not meant to do life alone. How do you define empathy? That's an excellent question because I'm doing, I, I've always considered myself to be a very perceptive person. And I'm actually in the process of answering that question myself. In certain situations, I don't have that skill to apply empathy to where I really, really need to and where I really want to. And empathy, putting yourself in another person's shoes, not in yours, not with your life experience and your mentality and your, your story, but really putting yourself in another person's shoes and being able to say, I can understand that. I can understand why this person is feeling this way, acting this way. Even if it's something that you cannot tolerate or cannot understand yourself, it's being able to say, if I am this person and such and such things have happened to me, I can understand why this would be the reaction or this would be the result. And it doesn't mean that it's not without consequence. If somebody's behaving badly, it's not a free pass to say, oh, well, it's okay. But it's a free pass to say, I'm not judging this person. I am seeking to understand why and because I am showing this person this kind of empathy that means that I'm also empathetic toward myself because when we judge others we're only really judging ourselves it's just a mirror and when we are empathetic toward others that means we can be empathetic toward ourselves what came first for you having empathy for someone else or having empathy for so yourself? what came first for me was realizing that I did not have empathy for a person that I love very much and I got to that through therapy because I didn't understand because I was never shown any empathy, right? There was no such thing as empathy in my family. And so because I never saw it and it was never mirrored back to me, I couldn't recognize. I didn't, I not only didn't recognize it, but I didn't recognize that I didn't have it. And so through therapy, I was able to recognize that I didn't have it. And my first experience of it was towards somebody else. And as I learned how to navigate that, then I started to also understand areas where I was not showing any empathy toward myself either. And, and that's how it works, right? It, it always comes back to you. So how do you apply the empathy to yourself? It's going to be directed towards the parts of myself that I cast away. Those parts of ourselves that we don't like or the self-criticism, the self-judgment, 
when you're not as good at something as you want it to be, or if you have a, a major failure, or if you have things that you do, whether you're coming down on yourself for being a bad parent or, or whatever it is, that has to be met with empathy. So in my own journey, and I got a really cool exercise, is to go through my writings and try and identify the places where there was no empathy, and there will be many, <laughs> and to reparent and to show, to rewrite that story with empathy toward myself. And that's really powerful. It releases you. Even the judgments, like write stuff like, I said X, Y, Z, and then I have fear around saying that, or I have shame around saying that. And I'll write that in parenthesis beside the sentence, just because I need to be able to look back and witness and learn from I'm constantly doing that. And I do look forward to the day where I will be writing other things that will come as well. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Last question. If you could send out any loving wishes to the world, what would you say? I would say reach for one another. Talk to one another and allow yourself to be close to people who you trust and who will hold your hearts gently. From a practical standpoint, we're not just going to go out there and love and peace and everybody because the world currently just does not work like that. But find the people, no matter where you are, find the people that will hold your heart tenderly and connect with them. Focus your time on them. Build things together. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you. It was you. so nice talking to you. This it was, was so nice talking to Angelique. Wonderful. I have a, I have a lump, oh, lump in my throat. I give you a big throat, hug. So that's a, good thing. <laughs> a big hug. I give you and a I big hug. I look forward to, to seeing everything you do. It's so wonderful. Thank you. Right back thank at you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. I hope that you got something out of our conversation. I know that I found it very insightful and satisfying to speak with someone so honest and so brave. In the resources section on the page, I've included the book that she talked about, as well as two articles that she shared following our conversation that further touch on the points that she was making, and she wanted to send those out to everybody. I've also included her Instagram handle if you'd like to chat with her further. To end this episode, I would like to share a Buddhist monk prayer of gratitude that I think could help all of us. Um, I think I'll start saying it when I start my day every morning, just to remind us of all the things that we have to be grateful for during this difficult time. With gratitude, I remember the people, animals, plants, insects, creatures of the sky and sea, air and water, fire and earth, all whose joyful exertion blesses my life every day. With gratitude, I remember the care and labor of a thousand generations of elders and ancestors who came before me. I offer my gratitude for the safety and well-being I have been given, for the blessing of this earth, for the measure of health, for the family and friends, for the community, for the teachings and lessons, I offer my gratitude for the life I have been given. Thank you for joining, and we'll chat soon.